You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. So when I set out to create this special episode, I intended it to be only available on Patreon. And to be clear, it still is. If you are a subscriber to Patreon exclamation point, go to your special feed where you'll be able to hear the episode in its entirety. But as it all started coming together, I realized the message of this episode was just too important. And since there are so many of you that aren't Patreon subscribers yet, hint, hint, I needed to make at least an edited version available to everybody. Long story short, too late. Please enjoy this very special episode of a musical theater podcast and go to www.patreon.com slash a musical podcast, where for only $1 a month, You'll not only support the regular show, you'll gain access to the exclusive content we're creating as a huge thank you for that support. Content like this. Welcome everybody to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of some of our favorite musicals in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today we are recording a very special episode all about the importance of community theater and I just so happen to be doing it in my old community theater. It's called Heritage Community Theater. It's in Perry, Utah, which is just a couple miles away from my childhood home and I am here with uh, someone who I really respect and adore, and who was very instrumental in my community theater life. Not just my community theater life, but my life in general. Like, it was kind of a miracle that I was born and raised in a farm town and found creative weirdos like you guys. You know what I mean? I'm so flattered. I'm so flattered. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's Miss Nedra Pace. Thank you for being here, Nedra. I am tickled to be here, and I may call you Jeffy, if you don't mind, because that's what we always called you, just out of fondness, (laughs) right? Of course, of course. (laughs) We're on the stage, looking out at this kind of intimate theater. How many seats is it? Like two-something? 210. 210? 210, I believe. And um, I haven't been here in like 20 years, maybe? Is that right? It's crazy. We have been here in this valley doing theater in the Heritage for 40 years, 42 years, most of our married life. And we are sitting on a stage that I don't know how deep it is, but it used to be about five feet shorter. Really? Yes, and it had 
bleachers that went down, and some of the things we did would be on the bleachers in front. And at the back, we can see a light booth and a sound situation where they have microphones. That used to be the costume room. No way. Yeah. So Seriously? it has evolved, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't even imagine. We did like seven brides for seven brothers on this stage, which that's well, there's seven brides and seven brothers, yes. so that's 14. Kicking. Yeah, right? <laughs> and flying through the air. With flea hops. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even imagine losing another five feet. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. You've been here 42 years. The theater, 50? Is I that right? I believe it was 1967-ish. Okay. Um, it was started by a, a wonderful marvelous, creative woman named Draka Holmes. And she started it out with, called the Brigham City Community Theater, and it was in the high school. Oh, wow. They did a, they did a few shows there, and sometime they acquired this property. It was a, an old LDS church, and it came up for sale. And they went about renting it and renovating it, and I have heard stories of her and a little group of people that helped her start building this stage, and I think it was probably only three or four feet high at the time. Wow. It wasn't as tall then as it is now. Right, well, because this yeah. would have been like the worship space, like the chapel, I right? I believe so. I don't know what the orientation was, if the orientation was the same, but sure. there was not a stage. That's incredible. Community theaters are, are really a unique cultural phenomenon in the country. I started doing some research in preparation for the episode, and it just so happens that a lot of its history can be traced to Utah. I, ha I didn't realize like, I what a great tradition it is in the state. Yes, I believe that this is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, community theater in Utah. Wow. That's, that's insane. So, yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, uh, we had the Utah pioneers, right? The Mormon pioneers walking to Utah for religious freedom and uh, apparently a community theater because, <laughs> <laughs> because only a few years after Brigham Young made everybody start doing community theater as like a as a way to boost morale and and bring arts to the Salt Lake Valley. Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. Come on yeah. now. I have to tell you a cute thing. Yes, please. Um, we are in a theater that it was built in 1892 because I have a house that was built in 1892, so I remember that date. Oh my gosh. And so when we go down the basement, there's a basement in this uh, old church, and it has a dirty old couch, and we would acquire things like broken chairs and think we could fix them for people to sit on during rehearsal. <laughs> and we went up to uh, Oakley, uh, my husband Dee and I, uh, went up to Oakley because we have some friends up there, and they have a community theater, and it actually was a pioneer-built community theater. Oh, my heavens. And so it's got a beautiful proscenium and stuff. But if you go down the basement... It's got an old yucky couch of course. <laughs> and a hole in the wall. <laughs> and I just thought, I wonder if all community theaters have a token yucky couch. Just a nasty couch. <laughs> yeah. I would like to say that it, it changes as you get to professional theater, but it doesn't. It's still a yucky old couch. They just call it the equity cot because <laughs> oh. now it's contractual. That's, that's cute. <laughs> um, now, what? if you don't mind me asking, like, why on earth did you and your husband... Two incredibly creative people pick Willard as a place to like settle down and live. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. No. We met in the theater. Dee was in Salt Lake um, finishing up or at least in the process of getting his master's degree in theater costume design. He had a bachelor's degree in 
theater with a with an emphasis in teaching. He had his teaching degree and German. He had oh my been gosh. a missionary in Germany. And we we met in a show. We met in the Pirates of Penzance. And within a year, we had married. And then we were expecting. And he graduated. Tremonton, someone called him and said... like north of us. Yeah, someone called him and said, there is a teaching position for a theater and German teacher, if you can believe it. That combination. That is so specific. Not theater in German. Theater (laughs) and and German. German. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine? It's like, they just do Brecht. (laughs) Well, anyway, we we took the job. He was offered the job on the spot. And we started out there, and the community responded. I I should backtrack because your original question was, why did we settle here? We both had opportunities um, to go into more professional positions. I was working for the Osmonds at the time we got married. I feel like we all have a great Osmond story, but I want to hear yours oh. now. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't see that much of them. <laughs> I just did the do-do-do-do-do. Oh, did stuff. you really? <laughs> Actually, we sang back up for the whole show, and we would stand there up to 18 hours at a time. Oh, my sight gosh. Reading, sight reading into a microphone, and it was great, except oh. that it was so tiring. Oh, yeah. And you were married to it. Right. I, we, I was also in the theater, and so if there was a conflict or they called a special recording session, I had to go. Your drop and go. And he had the same problem. We wanted roots. We wanted a family. And he was offered uh, to go to, someone would send him to uh, Los Angeles and see if he could make it as a professional actor. And he mm-hmm. didn't want that. He had had one year of teaching experience and just fell in love with it. Wow. So we moved over here and started our family. And he started with one class of theater and five other preparatory classes, six different subjects in a day. Oh, my God. But by the time he'd been there four years, he had a full full day of theater-related classes. Wow. And the community came out of the woodwork supporting him because the kids loved it so much. Wow. And I will tell you that I was a new mother shut in with a kid, <laughs> and so he let me come and participate, but we found that we needed each other in that position. Every year, I'd get a new skill. I choreographed and then I did the vocal coaching and I actually put an orchestra together and we would do, we would do costumes and props and we would get all kinds of support from the community, but that base was us. So we learned to work together, you know, that's what brought us here. After 15 years in Tremont, we knew that we our family needed a change or because we were spending a lot of time on the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> taking them to dance lessons and things. And so we moved to Willard with that little 1892-year-old house. I remember that you moved here when I was in fifth grade, I believe. Because, I would guess that. Because in mm-hmm. fourth grade, the people who lived in your house before you had a girl that was my age, I think. Oh. And she would copy off of my paper in fourth grade. And that's why I, I'm like, okay, so it wasn't fourth grade. It must have been fifth grade. I hope she's listening. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Cheyenne, I remember her name. And I put. Oh. I finally got so done with it that I put all of the wrong answers once and waited for her to copy and then changed them. You're inventive, Jeff. I was vindictive <laughs> is what I was. <laughs> I think my first memory of you was clogging at a Peach Days Oh my program. gosh, for everyone who may not know, and that's guaranteed everybody, there's a festival <laughs> <laughs> There's a festival here called Peach Days because we celebrate what? Peaches. 
it's yeah. it's a it's a great crop here in in northern Utah, and so we have a whole week festivities, and um, I'm I'm sure I probably clogged because that was how I started dancing was clogging. And I don't know if I dare tell this story about you. Oh, please. I, I can always your cut mother, it out. <laughs> okay. I think your mother told me that you would go to those SEOPs at school uh-huh. and they would say, what are you going to be when you grow up? And, mm-hmm. and you told them that you were going to be a dentist. Oh, Is that M- right? MBA. That was what it was. Yeah. I always said I was going into business Oh, and that um, I was going to get my MBA. And like mom, my mom and I just agreed that that was going to be the lie so that they wouldn't try to talk me out of going into theater. I just think that's the, the greatest story. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we go back a ways. Yes, we do. And then the next contact, I believe, was this theater. Yeah, for um, sure. You and one of my daughters, Haley, were in a little summer um, production thing. That's right, that's yeah. right. And for many, many years thereafter, so many right, productions right. together. I know that there was a point in my life where I felt like I needed to move because I wanted to do things professionally. But I feel like you're such a good example of why all creative people can't just live in the city. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I think, especially nowadays as we get so politically divided or culturally polarized, there is kind of this feeling that I run into where if you're artistic, you don't belong in a small town. And I don't know what my life would have been if you artistic people hadn't been here. So I, I just, I thank you for making the choices you did and, um, and sticking around so that people like me felt safe and at home. And I don't mind thanking you for being here (laughs) because what you find in community theater is that there are a myriad, there's a myriad of talent around you. And if you don't have anything to work with, there's not much going for you. However, the surprise is that once you get people on a stage and if you are a good director or if you have some background, I was a vocalist majorly and he was a theater person majorly. Mm -hmm. And when he had a great gift for teaching and directing. So you get people up here and you can show them how it's done a little bit and you can guide that because you know the vision, you know the end product. All of a sudden they blossom. They'd Mm. get it. Mm -hmm. And we've watched that over and over and over again. That's beautiful. I remember doing a production of Sound of Music with you and I believe Dee was Captain Von Trapp. He uh, was always joking that the score was way too low for him because he was (laughs) quite quite a high voice. (laughs) But I was playing Rolf. <clears throat> there's a moment where Rolf is either going to tell on the Von Traps after he discovers them hiding out at the Abbey or mm-hmm. not, right? Mm-hmm. And in the movie, of course, he tells on them. And in the stage musical, he changes his mind, That's right? That's right. But before he changes his mind, he yells out for the captain um, or his, his commanding officer. His commanding officer, right? yes. Uh-huh. And we were rehearsing the scene, and... I shine my light on them, and I and I probably said, "Commander," and I remember you you said, "No, no, no, no," <laughs> <laughs> and you're a petite person, and I remember you're you're standing like right over there by the stairs that come up to to the stage, and and you grabbed my flashlight, and with like this fire in your eyes, you said, "Commander," and I realized how unwilling. I was at that moment in my life to experience emotions. You know what That's I mean? That's really interesting. Like how I was okay with being vulnerable to a certain point, mm-hmm. but like the idea of showing true anger 
or true hatred or, you know, uh, maybe even true love, I was not ready for that. And, and so theater really became the exercise for me to, to even just process that personally, which I just am so grateful for. That is so interesting to hear that from your point of view. I think I experienced the same thing. Really? I, I experienced ridicule because I loved to sing and mm-hmm. was good at it when I was in junior high. Mm-hmm. Have to find somebody as a friend that understands your plight. Yeah. You feel alone. Yeah, absolutely. And... I know that community theater became my social life. Yes. Truly. Yes. It's where I, I, I went to work, quote unquote, to have fun and to have connection and meet people and be around people who made me feel loved and, and, and safe. You know, it's interesting you'd, you'd bring that up because I have a great um, moment in my mind when, when we were in Tremont and one particular girl had a really bad weight problem and she had kind of just been a loner her whole life. Mm. And he put her in the show. All of a sudden she was dressing differently and she smiled in the hallway and the kids found out she had a personality and it was life changing for her. Mm. I've seen that a million times. Wow. It gives me chills to think of how many experiences like that happen in yeah. these types of theaters yeah. and communities all over, you know, all and over that's the not, world. That may not be something that happens on the uh, on the professional stage because you have to have what they're asking for. No, yeah. 100%. I know that those journeys happen in all of these different theaters and I have a lot of great memories. I've seen a lot of great theater here. I've seen a lot of bad theater here and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode was because I feel like Often community theater can be looked at as a bit of a joke, right? You're right. Like a punchline. Yeah. Or and a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many hours of sleep have you lost in your life because of <laughs> because of uh, shows here? Um, I can remember Dee getting up in the middle of the night and walking to the school. Really? He couldn't sleep. Oh, yeah. he's like, oh, <laughs> things need to be done, and if I'm not going to do it, yeah. Um, my point is that I know sometimes community theater can be bad, but I believe that it can be bad and important at the exact same yeah. time. Yeah. And I never want us to lose sight of that. I agree. The community theater movement, I think, involves more people from the general population in terms of giving them access to the arts. What are tickets here are what, eight to twelve dollars or yeah. something like that? Mm-hmm. 10 or 12. As opposed to, you know, Hamilton, which mm-hmm. gets up to $300 if you're looking at the touring production. Not to mention the people who actually get to participate in the performing arts as well. It's, it's a huge percentage of the population that I, what I do doesn't really even access. And so, like, it, it's importance can't be overstated. I I agree. There's that line in The Music Man Mm -hmm. that says, at the end of the show, she said, he's made such a change to this community. And the mayor says, what do you mean? How has he made that change? And she says, in the way every kid has walked around here all summer. Mm. And I think that that happens over and over and over again. They get excited about a project. And like you say, they learn to get up on stage and become vulnerable and something is released in them, and they know themselves better, plus the introduction of the art itself, just art, music, enriching things that make you live. Absolutely. Um, what do I want to talk about next? 
Well, you you, you tell me what 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 do you what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you have uh, one of the subjects that you had outlined for me was favorite memories of performing, directing, and producing. Oh yeah, please tell me because I, I know that you've one, done it. You tell one. Oh, perfect. I'm down. <laughs> so, and how many can do we need to I'm... stop at? <laughs> Let's just go, and then we'll pick the best ones and post. Okay. Interestingly <laughs> to me, as I reviewed this, and we've done a little semi-theater in, in Salt Lake and Ogden and stuff like that, we have just as many of these situations there, we have had them, as we have in community theater. You're right, right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> the ones in community theater are probably a little more avoidable. <laughs> but anyway, it's been quite fun. I will, I'm going to start with one. Um, Right when we were um, about to, to move, I was pregnant. It was my first child, and we were doing um, The Boyfriend at Lagoon Opera House. Oh, my gosh. And I was what an adorable show that doesn't get done nearly Yeah, enough. it was fun. And it was all, you know, in those cute costumes. And I had a slip on, and I was just starting to expand a little bit. And there is one uh, song in the second act, Poor Little Pirouette, it was called, and... The kids all came off the, off the stage, and I entered, and there was an older lady part there. I forget her name now. And I was dressed as Pirouette, white costume with a full skirt and a slip underneath. And the minute I took a step onto the stage and the last person left, I felt this pop. <gasps> and I grabbed with my elbows to get to my chair. Oh, no. <laughs> and as I sat down, I felt my slip tar- start to slide down the back. <laughs> And so we sing a little bit of the, of the verse at the table, and then I'm supposed to get up while she sings, she sings another refrain. Oh, good and heavens. I twirl and dance and everything. And I sat there while we were singing, and I thought, what in the heck do I do? <laughs> so I got up and I stepped out of the slip, you know, and then they spot me. Yes. And I'm out swirling, and she's singing, and then the lights come up, and I go back, and I thought, I hope they got that slip off while the lights were off. <laughs> Well, they didn't. They waited until the lights came up, and then you see this stagehand's arm reach out in clear view and pull that slip off the stage. <laughs> it was That's great. real. That's fantastic. Well, that was actually not really community theater, but like I said. Look, it happens. <laughs> it happens. I was doing a production of White Christmas, and that show is just filled with crazy costume changes. And I was playing the Danny K. role. And my, Which is still my dream to aww. see play in that. <laughs> um, and my, my dance partner, Jill, her uh, zipper broke for the dress that we were supposed to be doing best things happen while you're dancing. And so uh, we're doing that dance, and I'm like, you know, we're in dance position, and my right arm is just really trying to pull that zipper up, <laughs> see if we can get it all the way. And and it didn't, and in fact, it just kept falling and falling more and more and more, until like she was full bare backs, right? Oh, and that dress that she had a halter top, so like the front was fully covered. But that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and what's crazy is the first line after that number is her going, "Well, that was a good time," you know, like, <laughs> and the audience, of course, just loses their minds. You know, reminding me of something that happened here. I uh, I was in a production of Oklahoma. My dad was Old Man Carnes, so so much fun. Like, and my mom was playing the piano. So it was this oh, whole. Right. Fa- it was like uh-huh. a whole family experience. I think at some point my parents just realized, you know, we should probably do community theater if we want to spend time with Jeff. <laughs> and 
And we were supposed to be wearing cowboy boots. Well, my grandpa, who was a livestock cattleman, is a real cowboy. And so when it came time to find costume pieces, we were like, perfect. Mm-hmm. I'll go grab some of grandpa's boots that were a good three sizes way too big for me. <laughs> and so every night before the show, I would put on three pairs of socks. Oh my gosh. And then put on his work boots and then <clears throat> try and do the Oklahoma Dream Ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Did, like, were there any fatalities? <laughs> I, no, surprisingly not. I'm sure everyone just thought it like, oh, look at that poor boy in big puberty feet. with big, big feet, feet and tiny body, you know? Yeah. He's about ready to have a growth spurt. <laughs> We've put size 13 shoes on a five-foot boy in junior high once. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Just like Ronald McDonald. (laughs) I have another one I have to share with you. Okay, please, please. We were doing um, I Do, I Do, two-man show. There's a little community theater um, further north than this, and it's in the round. Uh And they were famous. I think all community theaters are famous for just making it do. Yeah, make it work. Well, they had decided uh, in the round that they would have kind of a turntable stage, so they just—that's advanced. They just cut a big hole. Oh, they just sh- got the, they just got <laughs> the saw and cut a big hole. Oh no! And they had to even it up, you know. Because yeah. In se- I don't know if they'd even drawn a line. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, at the so this turntable was operated by a big lever in the back. They put a hydraulic, some kind of a hydraulic something underneath the stage. And so it would stand straight up when it was still. Okay. And then if you leaned it to one way, it would turn to the right. The lever. Left, yeah. Okay. Well, the stage would turn. Right, right, right. So you leaned the other way, it turned to the left. And if you lean, the, the further you leaned it, the faster it rotated. Oh, no. <laughs> so we start that show. It is, it is he and she. Those are the names of the characters. And they are, it's their wedding day. And mm-hmm. so we come out and we sing a song and we get married. And then we run out of the black curtains to go around to a different entrance because that's how they show time, time passage time. and everything. Great. So they were short one person that night to get the bed on. So the rest of the show takes place with a bed in the middle of the stage. And they add or take furniture off. And they had this great big iron bed that we had because we collect antiques and it's so heavy it takes three of them to get it. And so they just huck it up and take it on. So they're taking it on the stage and we're running around and the person that was supposed to run the lever had gone to help because they were short-handed. And it's a heavy bed. So I'm I'm in a great big full wedding dress and we go to pass out and there's no light and we don't know how the lever works and that dress... (laughs) hits the lever no and it starts to turn as they're sitting the bed down and all of a sudden it's starting to go faster and the owner of the theater who was one of the movers grabs the bed spread eagle (laughs) and the bed starts whipping and the furniture starts to fly off and we have little you know those little collar buttons and stuff and it's just hitting the audience oh no everyone's (laughs) holding on finally came over and you know pulled the lever yeah I, I could spend the rest of the hour on that show, but I won't. Oh my. <laughs> Look, it, it's always funny, those um, quote-unquote smaller shows mm-hmm. that you think are going to be less work because it's only That's two people. True. Yeah, I've, I've done many a Forever Plaid with an, uh, or, or even Dames at Sea with theater companies who are like, we want to do a smaller show oh, yeah. that, that isn't as much work. And I'm like, get ready. <laughs> 
You're ready to help four people make 16 costume changes. That is true. And just as many props. And right. Just as much scene. Maybe one set scenery, but sure. complications somewhere else. <laughs> There's no show that is not the same amount of work. Right? <laughs> that's the yeah, truth. That's funny. That is the truth. Now, in community theater, I would say one of the things that usually makes or breaks a community theater is whether people are willing to volunteer. And how do you do that without getting burned out? You don't. Yeah? Do you, do you just need to like take some time when you need to and say, learn to say no? Or um, I think a lot of it has to do with getting a couple of prime people in place. Mm. Dee and I both spent a certain amount of time on the board of directors and a certain amount of time as artistic director. And through that experience, you find out what really works. The chairman of the board, say is very important. He's Mm. got to have sense. Mm. He's got to know how to handle people and how to get them to work and how to get them to buy into the dream. Mm. When you have somebody that just walks the walk and says, this is how it's going to be and they're not going to listen to your needs, or they don't know anything about the theater, Mm. you have to understand the theater. I can imagine also that with an organization that's been around this long, you can't be afraid to change. No. That's a huge thing. And that's got to be tough, especially when you have people on the board who have maybe been doing things a a certain way for a very long time. Like from 1967 or whatever on, that's a bit. That's a lot of changes, right? You know, we've we didn't have air conditioning for years and years and years. Oh wow! And I can remember in Seven Brides when you and did it with my daughters, those girls lost 20 pounds apiece that summer. (laughs) Because of the dancing in a non-air-conditioned building. I had no idea. Yeah. We did that with no air conditioning? No air conditioning. It wasn't, it was many years later. Wow. Uh, and we'd go, and I'd go as artistic director to the board and say, look, people walk out. Right. And nobody could do anything about that because there was, a, there were a couple of elements that were against it. Uh-huh. And finally, we were doing um, Big River one summer. And we had a fabulous cast, and people would get up and stand in the lobby and say, I love this show, but I'm going home. Wow. So we hit it hard. We hit it hard, and there was opposition, but it was all about air conditioning. And um, finally, we came up with some money from a tourism tax or something, and the accountant said, okay, we're $16,000 short. If you'll come up with half that money, if you can gather it from somewhere, I'll find the rest of it. So we got ourselves a little committee, and we wrote a letter and sent it out. And in two weeks, we had $8,000 out, oh out of the community. And we came back and said, okay, we called them, and they're coming to Monday. Wow. <laughs> and she said, we're not ready for that. We don't have the money. And I said, you said you'd have it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my problem. But that brings up the third component, and that's the audience. Sometimes we don't take care of the audience in a mm-hmm. community theater. You know, We just think that they'll have to make it through. and. They need a chance. They are willing to f- put money out. Mm-hmm. We were down to two stalls in the in the be- women's bathroom, you know, and it was Which like a 30-minute thir- intermission. Uh, intermission. <laughs> and we did the same thing. We got up here in front of the audience and said, we're trying to raise money for this, and if you'll each put a dollar in that donation box, we'll have the money. And they came They through. came through? They came through. Wow. Uh, I know of a theater out in L.A. where the community voted to create this huge performing arts center. It's gorgeous. One of the biggest theaters I've ever performed in, period. And so they they voted to, you know, 
create a tax or whatever to build right. the theater. But they didn't vote for a tax to keep it running, which then right. puts most of the burden on the theater company yeah. to sustain themselves. And so this relationship between the community and the local theaters, I think, is just so essential that is huge. to survival. Now, our buildings paid off. Wow. Thanks to, you know, Draca Homes mm-hmm. and, and those that helped out at the beginning. Who, by the way, has a, scho- a scholarship named after her, the Draca yes. Homes Theatrical yes, Scholarship. Does. And I was lucky enough to get it when I went to college. That's right. That's right. I had, I think I had So thanks, Draca, for that. Too. Yeah. So where was I in that? Oh, sorry. Um, so, um, oh, crap. I totally interrupted oh, you. Oh, there's a formula here because the building is paid off. Oh, sure. And that's that the production has to pay for itself. Oh, Royalties, wow. costumes, props, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, some lighting supplies, things like that. But donations are what keep the building intact. And mm. there's a lot of maintenance. Sure, Bills of to pay. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're living your regular life on top of it. Oh, yes. Dragging a brand new baby down and sitting it in front of the piano while you play right. loud enough for the whole cast to hear. When I think of <laughs> when stuff I, like that, when I think that my dad yeah. would work all day mm-hmm. in Salt Lake, then drive home yeah. and then come here to rehearsal for five hours yeah. after, like that's that's crazy. D would teach school till three o'clock and then his day would start. And we would gather, we would gather, and we would sew, and we would borrow, and we would find, and, you know, all of that stuff. And then we'd come back to rehearsal. <laughs> so you have to live it. And I think that's one reason we stayed in, uh, where we did. Of course, we wouldn't have that kind of a workload sure. in, in a professional theater, but you have to have some place for family, mm-hmm. you know, and downtime. Do, do you feel like you guys had enough time for family vacations? Oh, heavens and- no. <laughs> What are you thinking? <laughs> Why do we do it? Besides that, you've put your money into the show. <laughs> I've had a thousand, couple of thousand dollars on our credit card before, you know, per show. Because at, at the end result, you've given birth to something. So you go put your own money into it. Wow. Toward the end, we'd start taking the costumes we paid for home. <laughs> but now I just have full sheds and garages. <laughs> That's really beautiful, though, because <laughs> you've given birth to a lot of kids, but you've also given birth to a lot of things Productions, here. and that not that how you feel? It's yeah, your baby. Absolutely. Yeah. Over the past year and a half, you guys have had a fun time. Would you mind talking a little bit about what's been going on in your family's life over the past year or so? Well, um, we, have been a, we had been out of the theater for about a year. I had resigned two years before we left, but we went on a mission for our church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and uh, it was December 2019. So January 2020 was when we got where we were going, and by March, COVID had supposedly hit, only nobody really was sure, and my husband contracted COVID. We were in Michigan, And uh, he woke up with a fever one afternoon after a nap. And we just happened to find out that our insurance wasn't accepted in Michigan that same day before he woke up. Oh, my gosh. That was a Saturday. By Wednesday, he was quite sick, and we had him in the um, emergency room overnight. And then we packed up and went to Wisconsin, where a daughter 
uh, lived six hours from where we were. So we just, two daughters flew in, we threw everything in a car and took him. And within three days, he was in the hospital on a ventilator. We didn't see him again. We said goodbye to him before he passed three weeks later, three and a half weeks later. And uh, that was a traumatic, awful thing. He was bigger than life, because, and he was theatrical, <laughs> as you well know. He was, um, he was just fun to be with. He was my soulmate, and it took him. Somehow the, the news got out. I should mention that I got COVID at the same time because I'd been taking care of him, and it was not near as serious, but I was quarantined for two weeks, and I came out of my room the day after he passed. Um, in the meantime, we had had a baby enter our family three days before he passed. Oh, my gosh. So it was a traumatic time. And this is where community and church and family fit in. Um, he had made such an impression on people as he had taught school 35 years. Um, he was part of that time. He was an administrator, but... Uh, they got wind that he was in the hospital and people started posting on Facebook and sending me flowers and cards. And, uh, the response was overwhelming. They talked about what a difference he had made to them. Many of them had gone into theater because they found out they were good at it. They didn't know that. I remember one particular, um, student who wasn't even in the theater with us, but he was a very gifted a singer, still is, <laughs> he said that he had had fuzzy hair in school and was a kind of an outcast and didn't really feel like he had very many friends. And he said, Mr. Pace came up to me and said, that's personality, Mr. So-and-so, personality. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of a life-changing thing. Mm. Uh, Facebook was flooded for days and days and days, and we left that next week to come home. They were going to, you know, give us some time to get things set up to have his funeral, which was just a graveside service. Right. It was the very early days. And my church congregation had planned a little parade, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I happened to find out about it because they hadn't taken me off the email list. <laughs> <laughs> that like, is real. That is so real. I cried that night. I wanted to slink home. Oh. I wanted to slink home and shut the doors. At, but I knew that that wasn't an option. And when we got home, there were th three of us in the car. My, Mickey, my number four daughter. I should mention, I haven't said this. I have five, six daughters. Not five, <laughs> six. She was driving and Haley had flown with me. And we were in that car and they lined up for about a mile and had signs and and it turned out to be so healing. Oh. And it was full of theater people, too. And that's when you know that you're in the theater. It has a, it's a network. You know if you know somebody from here, they probably know your name at least, even if you're from the southern part of Utah, the other right. end of the state. And all of those things link up, and it's what gives you hope. People are good when they have a loving relationship between them. And that's what you always hope to accomplish in any theater production, isn't it? Yeah, that connection that just yeah. goes on and on. I feel like Facebook yeah. sometimes was built for us because I agree. we have these connections that, that are strong and powerful and lasting, but there's yeah. no way to 
keep up with everybody. And so at the very least to know that there's some sort of intertwining web of all of us, you know? Yeah. Um, and you can reach out and you are still right at that last right moment there. when you saw them. Absolutely. There is a place in your heart that doesn't go away. It doesn't disappear. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. That's just... The community has been very wonderful to us. And outside of this theater, they said, D-Pace, we will miss you. And at the bottom it said, you have blessed our lives. Mm. And that's what theater does. That's true. Especially if you are artistic and that's your language. Yeah. That's your love language. Amen. So, mm. Anyway... That's beautiful. I must say that um, my family was uh, standing on the side of the road with signs, and they asked me what they should put on the signs. And I said that they should write um, the Lunts of Willard, and they didn't know what that meant. (laughs) (laughs) Your mother was one of the first persons who sent me a little bouquet. So we have a long-lasting relationship with your family. We love you guys so, so very, very much. Um, I hope that this has all shown you that it's worth it, that all of the sleepless nights and all of the credit cards and all of the (laughs) (laughs) sacrificed family vacations are worth the infinite connections that you probably don't even know about. It has definitely been worth it. My sister-in-law, I did want to include this. I had a sister-in-law that invited us to go to Lake Powell one summer. They had rented a houseboat. And we said, I'm so sorry, thank you, but we have rehearsal. show. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, you'll miss all the fun. And that bothered Dee for a long time. He came home and he said, fun? (laughs) They don't know what fun is. Because you you, uh, walk into a room, make instant friends with 30 or more people, you tell stories and laugh and joke and depend on each other and experience an art form for six to 12 weeks. Mm. And that's what it is. It's life Couldn't, in a bottle, right? Yes. Couldn't say it better. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you for asking me. My gosh, what a, what a pleasure. I'm so grateful for our, um, for our friendship and our history and for the way that you've changed my life. And I hope that this inspires listeners to not only support their local artists and their local theaters, but to also be brave and take some risks that create some art as well, because it really does change lives. And I'm, I'm here to say so because it changed mine. Thank you. It changed mine too. Thank you to Nedra for sitting down with me and everyone at Heritage Theater, especially Valerie Odenthal for making it happen. I'm happy to announce that a memorial foundation has been created in Dee's memory. The foundation has already given two scholarships to graduating high school seniors and will be supporting the performing arts and performing arts education for many years to come. To make a donation to the foundation, keep up to date, or learn more about Dee's legacy, please visit www.dpacefoundation.org. That's D-E-E-P-A-C-E foundation.org. Follow them on Instagram at D underscore Pace underscore Memorial underscore Foundation. I'll put all of this in the episode show notes and also on Facebook under D Pace Memorial Foundation. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Now get out there and make some art, whether on stage, backstage, or in the audience. 
It doesn't happen without you. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.